Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South Podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Conor Kira. Marler, I'm going to brag a little bit on us because, you know, this is our fourth podcast. Uh, what, how many? Seven days, I think? No, six days. Isn't it? I don't know time zones. I don't know weeks. Especially in 2020. Yeah, no, I don't either. I, this is our, okay, so this will be our fourth podcast coming out in seven days. If you go back to the Friday night podcast, you included just meant more that came out on Sunday, That's which right. I think I think that might be a, a record high for us, but we're doing this because we got some pretty big news on Tuesday. Yikes. So I don't like, first and foremost, let's just keep inventory of whether we were right or wrong, because I went off. On the Big Ten, um, obviously we had a lot of a lot of you had uh, some really good thoughts on Sankey as well. Um, were we right or wrong? I mean, like I just I honestly thought with the news that we were hearing while we were recording Monday night that the Big Ten was gonna back off this whole. I mean, the Pac-12 yeah. I, I figured was was not gonna play football this fall, but I honestly thought the Big Ten was gonna gonna back off these you know really stern statements and 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 uh, I don't say predictions but like threats almost of canceling the season, and lo and behold, they did. Lo and behold, the Big Ten announced officially on Tuesday that it is not having a fall season, that it's going to try and play in the spring, which is a horrible, horrible idea, and I feel for all of these coaches in the Big Ten, in the Pac-12, I feel for these players, I feel for these local businesses, everything, everybody that's impacted, nobody wins from a situation like this, perhaps with the exception if these three power five conferences play because there are a lot of things associated with what that could potentially do for recruiting what it can do for kids who want to transfer and go to different programs and all of the different things that could happen and not, i'm not saying that that's a foregone conclusion that the sec acc and big 12 are absolutely playing football but the big news that came out after as well that we found out late on Tuesday night was that after the Big Ten and Pac-12 had both announced that they were not going to be having a fall football season, that they were going to try and play in the spring, was that the Big 12 was indeed moving forward and the Big 12 seen as the big sort of um, make or break, pendulum swinging, all important piece of the puzzle to have a fall football season. And I think you just kind of set it all right there with a deep sigh of relief. I mean, it was, like, I, I, I got, like, admittedly, just, like, taking you through my just emotional roller coaster of what was going on, like, I just, I got this, like, very big sense of, and probably, maybe it was, a, you know, an irrational sense of this, but, like, bravado of, like, beating my chest, like, the SEC's got to play. And, and I, a lot of that I was trying to be, like, as, as positive as possible, but I, I always felt like the SEC was going to play, no matter, and I didn't, and I still don't understand why these decisions are, are being made so early, and why the entire fate of the cultural season and world was all being like, like the, the fate of everyone, everyone's season, all five conferences, like group of five, all that kind of stuff, all the fans, coaches, all that kind of stuff was based off of the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. Why? I just what world are we living in as to why that would be the case? And so last night or obviously in the Pac-12, the, the lap dogs that they are, they decide to also cancel their season after the Big Ten does. And then you hear these rumors that the, the Big 12 is going to do the same thing. And I tell you what, there's not another conference in the country that's as difficult to to navigate from like a season standpoint as the Big 12. Like, 
I mean, how much money does it cost to, to fly from Morgantown, West Virginia to Manhattan, Kansas? Like carry the one, I think it's uh, $78 probably, on Spirit. Yeah, probably. So plus, plus all the, the there's the, the recline fee and then there's the, if you want to have like a peanut, there's a fee for that too, yeah. cup of water fee. So. I, I, there's no way they would make that game, just, just flat out. Yeah. Um, but, but all I'm saying from that is like that schedule is going to be, I think, more difficult to try to figure out. And it's also the, the only one that's really not, I, I don't want to say structured, but like, I guess organized and like figured out as, as at least as far as the other conferences have, you know what I mean? Like, like the ACC has already come out with their full schedule, the, the big 10, the, the PAC 12 as well. And the SEC big 12 just on. came out with the full schedule, right. um, right before we started recording. Yeah. So, but I'm saying like yesterday when there was like all this uncertainty and then the first two dominoes fall, and I was so tired of hearing that, that, that phrase, the fine bomb flat out said he goes, it's over. There won't be a college football season, which seemed a little bit premature. And I didn't like the fact that he said it felt a lot of ways about that. But thank God the Big 12, not just Oklahoma, is going to move forward with this. Because it felt like if the Big 12 were to all of a sudden pull the plug, the SEC and ACC might not have said right then and there, hey, we're going to cancel the season. Again, Sankey has been pointing to the medical experts and trying to let that dictate his decision-making throughout this entire process. And it wasn't just going to be what's one conference going to do, what's the other conference going to do. And I give Sankey credit for that because yeah. we've we've criticized him on this podcast before and we've said that he's been looking a little bit like the commissioner on his heels at certain points. And while I do think that the release of the schedule and the way that all that went down and he might have had a lot of different people in his ear, I do think that they would look back on that and say we would do that differently. And that's perfectly yeah. fair. But pretty much every moment since then, if you compare the actions of Greg Sankey to the actions of Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren, Oof. it's night and day from a communication standpoint in itself. And I understand, like, regardless of how you feel about the Big Ten's decision to cancel a fall football season, you can be you're allowed to be mad at the communication of it because it was awful. awful. It was totally awful. What were they it doing? Was misguided. I have no idea. The most embarrassing thing was the fact that that Kevin Warren goes on the Big Ten Network after this unprecedented announcement, an announcement in which it was only the university presidents who were being able to make this decision and this vote, and it wasn't necessarily, obviously, like, it's not like coaches and players are in the room making this decision. And he's asked by Dave Revson of Big Ten Network, who's been there from the jump, someone who is very fair, I think. He's not someone who ever, ever makes any sort of headline steps out of bounds. Dave Revzine Rebs- is not exactly a Paul Feinbaum of the Big Ten Network. Right. Asking very normal, fair questions to Kevin Warren. And Kevin Warren just won't answer any of them. Anything. On the Big Ten Network, he won't answer any of these questions. Meanwhile, Sankey is going on Good Morning America. He's going on the Dan Patrick Show. He's tweeting. He is continuing to to make his stance known that, hey, just because, and the SEC even released a statement after all this went down of, look, this is this is where we're what we're looking at right now. And if you are an SEC fan, you are so relieved that you have a commissioner who understands communication during a time that is making people absolutely lose their minds crazy. And I can't underestimate, I can't overstate that because. We all right right now just want to feel like people in control are going about this in the best way possible. 
Yeah, and okay. if you're an SEC fan, you should feel that right now. And if you're a Big Ten fan, even if you think that the season should have been canceled, you've got to be frustrated by the fact that Kevin Warren botched this. He botched this in a way that divided the conference and is all of a sudden, because of the way in which he went about this and did so before any of these other Power Five conferences, has put so many of these schools, these universities, players, everything in such a tough spot. And that's mm-hmm. the tough thing to just sit here and digest. You know, and I think like more and more, I know I was very, very harsh and uh, aggressive towards the Big Ten on Monday. And a lot of that admittedly is because I'm frustrated. Like, uh, you know, I, I said blatantly that I, d- I didn't believe the intentions of the Big Ten. And, and I still stand by that to an extent. I think like the, the liability of this and the concerns about that in the future, I totally understand that. Yeah. I totally get that. It makes sense. We've been talking about that for weeks in the podcast. Like, that's why this decision was going to be made by presidents. And it was going to be a little bit different than maybe some of us thought because it was going to be made by the presidents and, and people like in charge of the universities, not necessarily the athletic directors. I'm, I'm looking for the, the tweet now that, like, that came out yesterday. I want to say it was Pete Thamel about the, uh, you retweeted it um, from about the Big Ten commissioner and uh, the, like the first, it was the first time they were actually all meeting or discussing a certain topic. And I, and I want to say like, for the past several weeks, I've like kind of complained and bitched and moaned about how like, all right, like they're having all these meetings with the SEC, like nothing's coming out. Like, like you know, we're sitting here waiting like with bated breath, like what are they gonna decide at these meetings? They were just having conversation, communication, like planning, trying to figure out what was gonna happen. And I still stand by the fact that I hate that Sankey took forever to make those, those extra two games and release it at 6 p.m. on a Friday. Did not like that at all. But he has been hands down the, the premier leader and 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 like beacon of of i i think i feel trust and and the voice of what's going to happen with the season and the voice of reason i mean again i yeah, still that's, understand that's a good way to phrase it yeah the, the the whole thing with like you know i know that the, the largest part of me wanting a season is because i'm a fan i'm being selfish i want to have a football season no matter what but greg sankey he like you know you you just said it there's no reason we're making this decision today the season is not starting for another 46 days. Fall camp, I know it just started like at a couple Big Ten places, but like push the season back. There's so many things in place that to make this easier on yourself and not have to make that decision and really cause, and that's honestly why I think it was still a power play from them because why else would they have made the decision this early? The decision from the Big Ten was reportedly a result of 10 players in the Big Ten having myocarditis, which, again, I looked back to the sheet to be able to say that. Now, I'm not I'm not trying to sit here and downplay that. I'm not. I'm not. And what happened with the Indiana offensive lineman and whose mom posted basically about how, how much her son is, is struggling with all the, the after effects of, of COVID-19 – not downplaying any of that. Yeah. But what's alarming is that that was considered like, whoa, heart damage. Didn't know about that. And all of a sudden, you go from announcing the schedule on that Wednesday. And we talked about this timeline the other day. Yeah. And then four days later, it's reportedly, oh, we're all of a sudden favoring a spring season. And then you see the headline that comes out. Or not the headline, but on Tuesday. The the, the tweet that you just mentioned from Pete yeah. is is troublesome in a variety of ways. Last night, the Big Ten began hypothetically discussing what teams would do in the fall if the season got moved to the spring. 
it was contentious as the bigger problem still wants as the bigger programs still want to play this fall it marked one of the first hypothetical conversations about this topic we're five months into this, this is so stupid. what have you been doing yeah I, I just and i don't get it i just, I just honestly they have looked just idiotic and 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 helpless and honestly incompetent. That's probably the best way to put it. And I, and I don't want to sound actually I don't really care. It's the Big Ten. They they've looked absolutely incompetent. And and they've honestly they looked like a league that was much more looking for a way out than they were trying to figure out a way to make this. There's work. no plans for the spring. It's right. we hope to have a season in the spring. That's all they're selling right now. There's no plan to be able to say, this is exactly what it's going to look like. We're going to be able to play in this stadium, that stadium. This is how this is going to work. This is how scholarship limitations are going to work. We're going to have early enrollees right. that are automatically allowed to play. This is how we're going to deal with the transfer problem, which is inevitable. There's no freaking plan. I mean, and, and how can you do this? Keep in mind... This is, it's already like the summer months are already kind of the downtime anyway for like an athletic department or an AD or like any of that, any of that, because there's no sports going on in the summer. I mean, for the most part, most of the students, like 90% aren't even on campus. So it's not, it's like, even when there are sports during like a non COVID year, it still would be the downtime. You'd get a lot of shit done. Excuse my language, but like, yeah, what were they doing? Like, like how could this? You know, I, I watch it on ESPN like almost every day, and there's like some dismissive, you know, throwaway argument because no, nobody actually wants to do the research, and they don't really know that much about college football for the most part, in my opinion. The guys are talking about like on first take, and they're like, yeah, it's gonna get canceled. It's over. Like, and just and that's it. I expect it out of like Max Kellerman. I don't expect it out of somebody that's getting paid to be the vocal and like, you know, overall leader of an entire conference that's supposed to be that prides itself on being what they think is the premier conference in college football one thing that i want to hit on real quick and then we can talk a little bit more about this program because i think for all college football fans it's fascinating to see this dynamic because i don't know if we've ever quite seen it before what they power five program because obviously this is an unprecedented set of circumstances nebraska nebraska <sighs> at a place like nebraska if fall football doesn't happen, the estimated total revenue loss, and this was in an Omaha World Herald article that I found, is going to be in the neighborhood of 42 to $45 million. They were talking about revenue, economic impact in the city of Lincoln at a place where on Nebraska football home games, 5% of the state's entire population is in one stadium. Yeah. Like a state, a, a place that doesn't have another FCS football program. There's no other division. There's no other FBS program. There's no professional sports in a place like Lincoln, Nebraska. This is different. This is just different. And to sit here and say that, oh, you know, it's just a sport, or like everybody's making no. losses and stuff like that. I understand that, and I understand that everybody's been dealing with stuff during during COVID, and there are things that five months ago we didn't think that we we're going to have to sacrifice. But in places like Lincoln, this goes and this hits a little bit differently. That's not to say that it means more than it does everywhere else, blah, blah, blah. Oh, it does. But, it a but thousand percent does. 
There are just different elements associated when you make a decision like this that can have a longer lasting impact than simply saying, well, oh, it's automatically, we're, we're just automatically assuming that this, this can't happen and that we can't come up with the right protocols. We're just gonna punt on this in the spring and hope this is gonna be able to work. Then how, how would you have any sort of confidence that they're gonna be able to get a spring season figured out if they've had five months to be able to try and put the plans in place to get a fall season figured out and they're still like, ah, you know what, this, this whole thing, despite the fact that we came out with the schedule and all that stuff, we just we, we just didn't like seeing the 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 heart related incident, the heart related impacts right. that COVID nineteen has, and just not trying to figure out how serious this could potentially be for each one of these programs and all those things, and that's the frustrating thing. So before we talk about more stuff, real quick, before I forget, can you tell us about our friends at BetOnline? Oh my gosh, Connor, like I'm I'm back, I'm back. To my my well, just my my bad ways. But I did something last night that I hadn't done in way too long, and I felt alive inside. I don't know if it's just because the, the news about the Big Twelve or whatever. I had a parlay, and I Ooh. hit, and I hit. Wow. Um, I was all over the place. I'll be I'll be honest, and you can be all over the place uh, and make yourself some money as well on BetOnline.ag. Not just poker. Not just they have actually they have slots. By the way, I know you're a big slot guy. Uh, you know, in the right situation, yeah, yeah. sure. I mean, like it's it's probably to do better in person, but if you're if you're about that life, go ahead and do it. You know, we're not going to get to New Orleans or Biloxi anytime soon, so go over to BetOnline.ag today. Um, there's Major League Baseball, the NBA, there's hockey right now. Did you see that hockey game yesterday that went on for three days? I saw the Twitter reactions to the hockey game that went on for three days. Yes, they. I think they started at noon. And they ended at, what, 7 o'clock or something? Like 8, yeah, because one of the pieces of my parlay was the Boston Bruins, and the game got pushed back another day. However, I had some baseball action. I I bet on the Sacramento Kings because I learned my lesson. Don't bet on the Pelicans. Regardless, uh, join me, parlay, poker, whatever you want to do at betonline.ag. Make yourself some money. We're still waiting on that that next check from the government anyway. (laughs) There are people who are going to listen to this right now, and they might say... I don't care about a Power 5 football program that hasn't been to a bowl game since 2016. I don't care about some do has-been program. Feature? What's that? You about to do a Nebraska feature? I want to I at least break down the dynamics of why this is this is a wild storyline. Yeah. This is a wild storyline to see a conference, to see a team pitted against a conference all of a sudden. To where when this was first being reported on Monday... Scott Frost had this quote of like, we would seek other options if the Big Ten were to cancel the season. Again, that was when it was just being reported. This comes out and Nebraska immediately fires away a release that is basically saying, we are extremely disappointed with this decision and we're going to continue to seek other options. And then what that has created is this Nebraska versus Big Ten argument where Kevin Warren, one of the few questions he actually did answer during that rambling ridiculous Big Ten Network segment was what's going to happen to Nebraska if Nebraska wants to play other football this year and they would say they'd be doing so by forfeiting their Big Ten membership and they would fork over a 50 million dollar revenue check which you know not exactly the easiest thing in the world in this era of TV rights when yeah that's that's a lot of money that makes a big difference at a university and what a university is able to do from an athletic budget standpoint and it also dips in into the the academia side as well and what it's able to finance on that side don't get it twisted that is not a totally separate deal 
but it's wild to see this because there are a lot of SEC programs who, if they were in Scott Frost's position right now, understanding the possible dynamics at play, understanding the fact that you are all of a sudden at risk of potentially having your best players picked apart by these conferences who are playing. If you're a Nebraska fan and you have to watch the Big 12 play football this year, you're going to puke every single Saturday. Yeah. And understanding that there are so many different programs who would be doing this, and it it, it bothered me and I felt bad to see that well, Nebraska is doing is, is kicking and screaming, trying to find any sort of way to play football, which is what a lot of programs and a lot what a lot of fans wish their programs would yeah, be doing exactly. right now in this situation, right? I so, hated that Michael Wilbon and Desmond Howard, by the way, came out and were like, "You don't have that kind of cachet to be able to do that." Like, get out of the conference. Why is Michael Wilbon even weighing in on college football? Like I don't think Michael Wilbon has watched a non-Northwestern college football game in the last ten years. Or Notre Dame. Just guaranteed. Oh, guaranteed too. Gotcha. And then, gotcha, and then yeah. you have Feinbaum, who I'm just like, you know, I love the show and I love Paul and all that kind of stuff. There's just been a couple of things that have happened recently that I'm, I'm just I don't understand the the motive behind it necessarily. That's all I'll say. Um, and I love Daniel. You know, the, the Bruce of the show. Like, I mean, I talk to him like multiple times a week and, and joke around about just this everything going Danny on. Danny Brams, baby. Shout He's out Danny Brams. But. You know, I understand, like, this is a low-hanging fruit thing. Like, I, I literally, I make memes for, like, half my job. So, low-hanging fruit and, and, and jokes about, you know, unfortunate football programs is, like, like my sweet spot. Like, that's what I'm, that's a lot of my entire resume if I ever lose this job, okay? I have, like, once a week where I'll say, I'll say to someone, this is Marler at his best. And I'll show him, like, a tweet or something that. like I'm, that. <laughs> I gotta say, right now, I feel like I'm on fire. I've, I've just been some really good ones. But, <laughs> moving on. So, I get the whole, like, low-hanging fruit thing. And it's easy to like pick you know pick apart a program that has been they're super passionate and they really care and they they've done a lot of things that I think are questionable. But Paul Feinbaum just said this this morning. I haven't seen Nebraska anywhere near the national championship game in about 20 years. I haven't seen them come close. They're yep. lucky to be in the Big Ten. They were in a national championship game in 2001. I they won three in the 90s. I understand that that was 30 years ago. There's a lot of lot of programs in this conference that would love to have had those banners flying in their stadium. And, and I understand that they have not been that great. I, you know, we gave them hell, I think, like that spring game where they had, I think they sold out, right? It was like 90,000 people for the spring game. It's absurd what they get for spring attendance. Go look at the numbers on an annual basis. Even on after an annual have, basis. Uh, even after they have four win seasons. It, it, obviously, they have a sellout streak that dates back to the John F. Kennedy era for crying right. out loud. So, and, and, and why that's important is because, like, I... One of Saban's first years, Bama sold out. They had like 92,000 like that. Georgia did it a couple years ago, I think, in Kirby's second year. Um, and so you see that sometimes in the SEC. Nebraska does it every year. It is it is probably the most passionate fan base. And I'm not, like, no offense of all Twitter, like a healthy passion. Like, out of any team in, in, in the entire college football world, right? I, I mean, think like, you can make it the case it's the single most loyal fan base that there is in sports. And I say that while wearing a Chicago Cubs shirt as a okay. diehard Chicago Cubs fan. There's, I don't know if there's a more loyal fan right. base than, than Nebraska football. So this whole thing with like Desmond Howard saying they should kick their ass out of the Big Ten, um, you know, Feinbaum kind of going off about how they haven't been in the National Championship game. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of programs that haven't been. Michigan hasn't been in the National Championship game. And the fact that you're trying to like kind of like you said, pit them against the conference. It's really bizarre to me because, like, when you really look at, like, just at, at a core level for this whole, whole chaotic situation, like you said, what we want is 
to see football for our teams, our, our like alma maters, like our conferences to play football. That's what we want, right? That's what the players want. That's what the fans want. That's what the coaches want. So you have Scott Frost. You have you have an entire athletic department that is trying to make that happen, not just for their fans, but like for their for their players, for their student athletes, for their coaches, you know, and also yes, for the fans. But why are we all of a sudden chastising them about trying to figure out a positive in the it's middle an easy of target. this? That's why. Yeah, like in the middle of this like giant storm of an off season, and this is literally like the the leaders of this conference, the conference as a whole, did nothing. They sat on their hands and did nothing to to make a plan. And now Nebraska is trying to fend for themselves and make their own plan. What's like? Why is that bad? It's funny because Ohio State has said some very similar things. If you look at some yeah. of the stuff that Ryan Day has been saying, where think about this. If you're a coach who's entering year two, year three on the job, and you feel like you've put in all of this groundwork they to be able to try and build your program up. the best up. chance of winning the national title of anybody in the, in the country, to be honest. Ohio State and Clemson are in their own in their own class, probably in terms of the preseason contenders mm-hmm. to win a national championship. I think that's at least fair to say because of the question marks with the SEC contenders. I think if you're if you're going to see a team at number one in the country, it's either it's either Ohio State or Clemson to start the year. Now, Ohio, like to understand the dynamics here, and this could get into this is the SEC isn't necessarily going to have to deal with this element. But think about if. There's, there was already the rumors yesterday about like, oh, do you think LSU is going to go after Justin Fields? Imagine if you're a coach of one of those teams and you have put in so much groundwork to be able to recruit, to be able to develop talent, and all of a sudden your pitch to your team sucks. It absolutely sucks to tell them, oh, by the way, you know what? You should totally stick around and do this like 20 hour a week football thing. And then in the spring, yeah, in the spring, it's going to be great when we're playing in sub-freezing temperatures. Not that they don't play in sub-freezing temperatures in November. Ryan Day wants to start the first week of January. Yeah. So like that's whatever, but you're going to, you can do that and you can have two seasons. Um, By the way, you're going to have two seasons in an eight-month stretch. That is not so like, a positive. I don't know why yeah. they're throwing that in there like it's like an added value. <laughs> which is which is absurd. We have no plan in place to make this happen. There's no sort of update as to whether or not this is going to be safer four months from now, five months right. from now, than it is right now. When it's actually cold and flu season. Yeah. Try and sell that to your players as opposed to what could be the sell for these programs who are actually playing football or are scheduled to play football this year. That is, hey... Come play here right now, be on national TV, and everybody, if there's ever been a hunger for college football, it's right now. Imagine how tough that is to be able to sell to recruits who we've already seen. We already saw a recruit say, like who flipped and said, yeah, the Big Ten doesn't take football seriously, the SEC does. Imagine how much that sucks to be in that position if you're Scott Frost, if you're Ryan Day, when you had zero sort of impact over this decision, all of a sudden there is a competitive imbalance that you are going to be forced to deal with when you don't feel like your commissioner went about this in the best possible way. You don't feel like he necessarily reacted to all the data available in the way that he should have. And all of a sudden you're left like, well, I'm just supposed to sit here and shut up and take it because they're cashing a $50 million check? Yeah, Who cares? It it blows my mind. And again, I don't understand why like they're being chastised because you're right like if, if Ohio State was doing it and we heard rumors like all weekend that that Ohio State Michigan Penn State other like other schools had reached out to the Big 12 like kind of on the low to see if there's a possibility <laughs> Why wouldn't of, they I mean exactly and so so I don't know if this is just like an entire 
I don't like mindset that they have in the Big Ten or Ohio State. It, it seems very irrational and and kind of delusional in my opinion. Herb Street just said like a, a couple of minutes ago that he's that he thinks there's no way Justin Fields would leave Ohio State. He will stay and watch watch tape with uh with Ryan Day. Justin Fields is in a different a little bit of a different spot in that. I don't care. Like why, right, why would, right. you think I'm gonna stay for for the entire semester? If I had the option to go play somewhere, where uh, and again, he's from Georgia. He has already played in the SEC. He's been one of the most vocal people in the country about wanting to play this season. And he's also a guy that sure, I I, I don't think he has that much more to gain because he's gonna be a top five pick. Absolutely. But the kid wants to play. And if you have an opportunity to play somewhere, and I'm, I, I can't even wrap my head around how big of a mess this whole transfer situation is going to be. Oh, it's going to be it's, ugly. It's going to be a nightmare. But like yep. at the same time, why would you? And and also as like fans, like why would we not? Or, or like if for the NCAA, why would you not try to help in every way possible if you have a a universe, a program or a university that knows? Like with Michigan, with what Harbaugh said, he said we had for the however many 344 tests and zero positive positive uh what do you call it COVID test right so if you have it and you're keeping it in check and you think you're doing like a good job of like of keeping your program safe and healthy why would you not try to like help in every way you can to get those teams those programs a season why like why like why would you oh not the do ncaa that? has no power that's why that's exactly why it's, and the whole thing about nebraska being lucky to be in the in the big 10 i'm not a huge fan of nebraska but i'll say this the fact that they're getting on in the big 10 now like you shouldn't even be here when they left the Big 12 because, for whatever reason, they gave everything in the world to Texas and allowed them to just run roughshod over the entire conference and have the Longhorn Network and have, like, you want to talk about competitive imbalance. It was ridiculous for every other team in that conference. I, I don't, like, this is a program that's trying to do what's best for them. And in, in this this specific day and age, like this time right now, like with COVID, good for you, man. Ohio this, State, they would celebrate the crap out of that if, if they if they did it. Guaranteed. This transfer situation is going to be ugly because the precedent that's been set by the NCAA, and we talked about this a little bit yesterday, mm-hmm. the other day. Say that again. Is, we talked about this a little bit the other day. No, the precedent thing. The precedent that's been set by the NCAA. It's a mess. And how are you going to sit here if you are the NCAA, which, by the way, now you actually have something to do, apparently, NCAA. This is something that's on your plate that you actually have to deal with. What in the world is going to happen for all these kids who want to transfer? Because there's going to be resistance from coaches who obviously do not want to have the, to let these kids have the option to be immediately eligible everywhere. Because that can potentially gut their roster. And not necessarily yeah. in an SMU type of way that we saw with the death penalty, but we saw what those teams were when they can just get picked apart well, to know that they weren't going to have football for one year and all their entire roster was totally gutted and picked apart because it's such an easier sell if you're coming in as, you know, let's say you're uh, Oklahoma, you're Texas, you're LSU, you're Alabama, whoever, and you can say, hey, I can't play right now. And I understand it's different, the timing of it now, because of the scholarship situation. And those scholarships aren't necessarily available. I saw that report as well about, you know, teams are going to try and do what they can and get some of these guys in their roster. But the reality is you're still dealing with uh, a certain amount of scholarships that you have available and what's going to happen with all that. But it, this is this is going to get ugly in a hurry, and the NCAA yeah. actually does have to make a decision on this because how are you going to tell me that this isn't a hardship? But again, Tate Martell being able to transfer from Ohio State to Miami and get immediate eligibility just because he wasn't a system fit 
is definitely a hardship. Like, what? I mean, Ta- Talia uh, Tungavaloa, he's... Talia Tungavaloa, yeah. That makes no sense to me. But, I mean, yeah, the NCAA, this is, again, like, I, I'm just trying to be as self-aware as possible. I honestly cannot wrap my head around all of the things that are going to impact this entire chaotic mess that, that is going to happen. Like, I mean, I feel it feels inevitable. And, and mainly because we've seen just the lack of structure and leadership from the NCAA already. And like you said, I think like the most important part of this is the precedent they have set for, for themselves and for the rest of college football, there's no way they are going to be able to implement like some sort of rule that is makes no sense. Basically, there's no way they're going to be able to do what they did to Luke Ford to the entire college football world in these conferences that are not going to play football. But There's they're just no not going to do anything. You know they're just going to not going to do anything. Oh, they're, they're, they're going to do they're... something, but it's going to be like like a, like a substitute teacher type thing. Like, listen, we're going to put on a movie. You guys just sit here. Like, this is, just don't don't get crazy. The NCAA is sitting there praying. Oh yeah. That the rest of the Power Five doesn't play because it's almost like um, that big project that you have due. But there's a snow day that might happen on Monday, yeah. And you're like, oh, hey, maybe if if the snow day if if that hits, I don't have to deal with this. Future me is gonna have to deal with that. If the NCAA actually cared about the well-being of the student athletes, it would be looking after the best possible ways to do this as soon as possible. Because obviously, these kids should be able to go elsewhere and play. They shouldn't have a year of their athletic right. primes completely eliminated. Yeah, especially if they're draft eligible. Like, imagine being somebody like Trey Sermon. Trey Sermon is a grad transfer who is immediately eligible to go to Ohio State from Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma's going to be able to play this year. Ohio State's not under the you know the current the yeah. current plan that that's in place. So, like, if you are the NCAA, you have to be able to give this these kids the chance to play immediately and you've got to understand that this is a very big issue and I know they've said before that the waiver wire process was strained and they yeah. still haven't ruled on the likes of Joey Gatewood and Justin Shorter and Cade Mays and all these kids who are just still somehow waiting the NCAA do something do something you know, the NCAA is like and, and uh, yeah first off where have they been throughout this entire year chill I mean you know, exactly so the NCAA is kind of like like your dad that like doesn't well I mean probably your dad not mine but like like the your dad that's like really lax and like fun to be around like not as many rules as mom and then like just kind of lets you do whatever you want and then when mom's around though it's like a totally different attitude you know what I mean it's like you you better I didn't have that dynamic but I, I'm okay. sure people listening did well it's like a it's kind of like a cliche dynamic I, I mean okay anyway so um really glad I brought this up for our example. <laughs> uh, with our not family dynamics no not the best my bad so but like you know how like that's always like the cliche with dads like you know you yeah. can get away with more with dad and all that kind of stuff and then for whatever reason when the mom comes around then it's like you know fly off the handle at the smallest thing and and get mad about like whatever that's pretty much what the NCAA is like I, I'm, I'm just assuming that when Luke Ford was trying to like the like both times he was trying to become eligible at Illinois it, like the NCAA's wife was around, was like had a really bad day, and just it just was not in the mood. And they were just trying to make an example out of somebody. But that being said, I I'm gonna make a bold prediction here. I think they're gonna come out, and there's gonna be one person, at least one player, they're gonna say is ineligible, right? For whatever reason, there will be one person because you can't just have this, you know, wild wild west where ever like just everyone can transfer. There's no rules, any of that kind of stuff. That would be chaotic and awful for the sport. I think in general, especially like down the line. But at some point, they're going to have to try to put their foot down and, and know, they know that nobody takes them seriously. 
Nobody, like everyone's waiting for them to fail because that's all they've done over the past several years from a leadership standpoint. They're going to rule somebody ineligible and that person will play. The irony is that the NCAA back in, I think it was late April, made, it oh was gosh, looking yeah. like there was, there was looking like there was going to be momentum towards this one-time transfer exemption where if you are a transfer, even as an undergrad, you'd be able to transfer once and have immediate eligibility. It was looking like that was finally going to happen and that it was going to be in place for this school year. Then all of this happened and the NCAA quickly was able to realize, oh crap, what happens if all of a sudden there are certain teams in the Pac-12 that can't play this year and there are other Power 5 conferences right. who are? We can't have a team just have its roster absolutely gutted right now as a result of that. So I get it from that standpoint, but all the NCAA had to do back then, but it was lazy and it wouldn't do anything, was just say, look, if you transferred before March 12th, hey, you're good. You transferred before any of this stuff went down. We can't trace that back to this being part of a pandemic or anything like that. You're good. You got eligibility immediately. Anybody who transferred after, sorry, you're going to have to be able to wait, wait another year to have that immediate eligibility. Unless you're a quarterback. Yeah. If they had just done that, they'd have a place to be able to point to right now and say, hey, look, we, we, we made this rule back then. We made this rule for this reason. But they never did. They never set any sort of no. date like that. And instead, in that meantime, they've allowed immediate eligibility for the likes of Talia Tungabailoa. They allowed immediate eligibility for quarterbacks across high-profile quarterbacks like JT Daniels as well. And so that's the problem, is that the NCAA continues to shoot itself in the foot. Always. And now in a, in a situation when you need the NCAA to use common sense. I don't know that it's going to happen. And I know that there would be Big Ten teams that would be ecstatic to see the NCAA put its foot down and say, nope, we can't give all these kids immediate yeah. eligibility because it would gut these programs. But at the same time, it's like, it's not their fault. It's not their fault that no, they have their conference and, canceled when other people are playing. And I think there's also a big difference. The, the one part of this that I don't think is going to be as crazy as we're kind of, you know, predicting is it makes sense to me if you are a draft-eligible player, especially if you have one year left, those kids should be, they should be allowed the opportunity to, you know, seek, like, finishing their career at some place where, where that is, a, like, offered to them. You know, if mm -hmm. there's an opportunity to play in a, in a conference, like, where, you know, like, and, and, and that's going to be really difficult because of all the rosters. Like, are they going to, like, mess with, the, like, the roster and scholarship limitations? Are they going to, like, like, what are the rules going to be? I, I have no idea. But, like... Again, I go back to the Joe Burrow tweet. If you are a senior and you were depending on this year, a guy like Kylan Hill, can you, I mean, like, like you know, somebody that's like came, came back for their senior year and is trying to like put as much stuff on tape to build draft stock and, and, and create a future for themselves. In one fell swoop, this is all taken away from them. So you have to figure out a way, for, at least for those guys, I think, to, to try to help them. Because again, if you're the NCAA, the whole purpose of your existence is to help student athletes. Well, I mean, they might not realize that people don't want to stay at their exact institution for the academics. Um, yeah, let's not forget that. The NCAA is still under the impression that 95% of people go to college because of their specific major. College athletes, that is. They go to their college for their specific major, and they wouldn't just transfer if there's not a season. They're there for the academics. It's student I mean, comes before athlete. If you ever want to know how stupid the NCAA is, and we've, we've ridiculed them just time and time again on here, but I said this when, when we had Chris Doring on for that 94 Adjustment Moore game. And he was giving me crap about, like, I was like, yeah, you know, I was a college athlete. And like, make the joke about Division Two. He's like, well, yeah, where'd you play again? And, <laughs> like, the NCAA actually made an entire advertising, like, marketing slogan for Division Two players saying, I chose D2. 
no, you didn't. <laughs> like, no, you didn't. But that's honestly, I think it speaks volumes about like, just how absolutely lost they are and, and, and just delusional they are about like their impact on, on college athletics. I can bet there are already SEC, ACC, Big 12 coaches that are hopping on the phone, doing whatever they can to try and be able to talk to some of those Big 10 and Pac-12 players because there's plenty who would be able to, to come and play immediately. Kadan Slovis, USC quarterback. Yeah. Dude just finished his true freshman year. Probably going to be you a Georgia. Sit? You want to sit another year? Yeah, Georgia needs another five-star quarterback. Was he a five-star? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I mean, he will be if he goes to Georgia. By the way, I just one quick last thing on the Pac-12. I did shoot uh, – Coach Joe Mo, a little a little message. Oh, of man. Like, hey, man, I'm bummed. I'm bummed for you because I, I was really looking forward to being able to see Oregon play this year. Not just the offense, but Mario Cristobal's yeah. got that thing rolling. That's one of the oh, things I get man. bummed about. I get bummed about thinking about not being able to watch Pac-12 after dark or, you know, not being able action, to. Action, dude. Tuesday night action. That sweet spot in the season of, like, late October to mid-November where it's you have, like, 22 days where there's football every day, like, with the NFL Gambler's and Paradise. college. It's incredible. I just, I tell you what, man. As much as I've enjoyed hating on the Big Ten, it hit me yesterday. Just like the way this impacts, like guys like Dustin Shooty, like your brother. I mean, just like stuff like that. I hate. I just hate it. I hate it because it's, you know, it's crazy to think of how many people this truly did impact. But, you know, hopefully moving forward, we're we're gonna have a season. I've been saying it all along. We're gonna have a season. I think we're having a season. We'll see. I mean, my fingers my fingers are crossed. I've heard from very good sources we're having a season. (laughs) I'm hopeful. I have some. Uh, if you're, if you're, I, I think there are, there are certain Big Ten fan bases who actually make sense to root for certain SEC teams. Mm-hmm. Any any interest in, in hearing any of those? Yeah, go ahead, man. How about if you? All right, that's all the time we have today, guys. <laughs> this has been a lot of fun. No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. If you're an Iowa fan, you should be rooting for Kentucky. They've got the Mark Stoops connection. Ooh. They love the blue collar stuff. That's the Iowa way. If you're a Minnesota fan, you should be rooting for Mississippi State. You don't even have to change colors. You've already got the maroon work, and you've got a coach who kind of pisses everybody off in the conference. You can just go from one team to another. You don't necessarily get all the four-star guys. You're kind of the underdog team. If you are a Michigan fan, you can start rooting for Florida. You all see each other every other year anyway. Just have about? something to talk about. Yeah, I know. They see each other every other year. That's, that's, a, that's a thing. Um, if you are a, a Nebraska fan, you should be rooting for Tennessee. You want to talk about a team that loves the 90s. You guys can relate really, really well. Yeah. If you are an Ohio State fan, obviously you should be rooting for Alabama. No, yeah. just kidding. I actually don't think that's the case at all. I think if you're an Ohio State fan, you should be rooting for Auburn, the team that can potentially beat Oh, that's smart. Okay. Yes. If you are, let's say, a Penn State fan, how about a Penn State fan? Who should a Penn State fan be rooting for? Your James Franklin connection, anything like Bama. that? It's not Bama. Fingers crossed, not Bama. South Carolina, A&M. How about AM? How about AM? How about that team that just, you're looking for that team that can just get over the hurdle, yeah. just trying to get over the hurdle in any way, shape, or form? AM. AM makes a lot of sense. I don't know if there's a team in the Big Ten who should be rooting for Bama. <laughs> no one should be rooting for Bama. That's why no one does. How about um, go ahead. maybe Wisconsin? Wisconsin as that team that has just done everything it possibly can to want to know what that tastes like of getting to a national stage and being able to, to experience a national championship. What that tastes and, like that's just obesity. 
Okay, that's shot Wisconsin fired. and Alabama. I'm just saying, like that's that makes okay. sense. Okay. All right, but I, I think that that if you're a Wisconsin fan, you should be able to root for Alabama this year and not be accused of jumping on the bandwagon when you root for a team who always has that one stub the toe lost to Northwestern in October, and it always prevents you from being able to go to right. a college football playoff or something like that. So well, there, are, there are there are options. Ankles, but we have great running backs. <laughs> there are options for all of these Big Ten teams if you are looking for someone in the SEC to be able to root for. One, let me say I'm very proud that you did not put Michigan with Bama because I would have I would have fought you. Um, I didn't have any of that written down, by the way. That was just that's good. Well, you've done that like before, though. Like on the a site, right? Bit. Um, uh, something, yeah. Okay, so should we do it for the Pac-12? Because like now you're, I feel like you're on a roll. I mean, I don't know the Pac-12 quite as well, but we can try it. Oregon, yeah. Oregon, you definitely gonna want like you want Auburn. That's not like your main team, but you want Auburn to be good just because of what happened last year. I feel like Oregon's probably gonna want Georgia. Nobody, nobody's mm. pulling for Bama. Nobody's pulling for no. Bama. Yeah, USC, that's... maybe, because they were on the schedule. I could see that. Um, let's see here. Oregon State, what, do you, I mean, what would you say? Huh? I was going to say, by the way, I was definitely going to say, um, I was going to make the Rutgers-Arkansas connection, just of knowing what that's like week in, Don't week you out, dare. Just be frustrated um, and knowing that your schedule is just absolutely daunting. If you're Oregon State, let's think about this. You are a doormat in your own conference. Your little right? brother. Your your little brother in your own state. It's been really, really tough post Mike Riley era. You haven't yeah. even been able to have that occasional like nine win season. That's really fun. I hate to say it. Well, South Carolina. South Carolina. I, makes was, sense. I was honestly thinking that makes more sense for Auburn because one, they had to be pulling for Auburn last year over Oregon. True. Or like my, my fiance said she was going to be hoping that the uh, field caught on fire, so that was mm. that was nice. And that's you know she's lovely. Um, yeah, I, I like that one. Like Cal, I don't think matters. Like they, like like we don't need to do all these schools because they for the most part they don't matter. Like like Cal, like I've been on Cal's football field. It is one of the least impressive things I have it ever is. seen. It's like a it like is. a a paper that I wrote like in college. It is, it is literally one of the worst things you, you've ever laid eyes on. It's awful. Um, also, I would say, what about Washington? Washington is, is a tricky one because I almost feel like Washington should just go in the complete opposite direction and, and root for Florida. A team, a team that has obviously dealt with its fair share of ups and downs in the last decade or so. I think Washington has dealt with its fair share of ups and downs in the 21st century with the Rick Neuheisel era getting to the Rose yeah. Bowl and then being told, basically, you're going to suck for a li- for a while, basically until Chris Peterson comes along. Jake Browning's going to be the savior, though, and he's going to be a number one overall draft pick. And- Go back and look at Jake Browning's sophomore year numbers. I think, yeah, sophomore year, he was very, very good for a yeah. very brief period of time, and then downhill, downhill, Who downhill. Who was his, age, uh, his coach then? Chris Peterson. Okay. Um, yeah, anyway, I mean, like, LSU makes sense. I mean, if you're outside of the conference, you're just pulling for LSU. Just bottom How about, line. yeah, Washington, LSU, you've already yeah, got the colors, colors right there. It like just that. seems like, you know, Seattle, um, you know, Seattle, Baton Rouge, very similar, fun. What towns, are you talking What? What? No, that, that part's a joke. That part's a joke. Okay. Um, real quick, before we before we go, let's do this real, real quick. Um, if you had five players that you would want to see come into this conference. Hmm. From already, from the Pac-12 or the Big Ten, I think we already hit on two of them: Justin Fields, Kedon Slovis. I wouldn't say Slovis. I would definitely say Justin Fields. Yeah, 
Um, Chris Olave is a receiver on Ohio State who could play anywhere, anytime. You could line him up all over the field, and he would make plays for you. He would play on special teams as well. That dude is up, but it's fine. Or LSU would go off. Uh, he would he would make his way onto the field at LSU, despite the fact that they're they're loaded at receiver. He would make his way onto the field at LSU in that system. Um, those are the two. You could probably go like Garrett Wilson as well, Ohio State. I would go like Cole Van Landen, the offensive lineman who's a preseason All American at Wisconsin, would be would be somebody who's going to be coveted. He's a left tackle, one of the best left tackles in the country. Who doesn't need a left tackle? Um, True. You could probably go up to Minnesota and go for t- somebody like Tanner Morgan as well. Who, yeah. in my opinion, is worthy of being one of the top five, six quarterbacks in the country coming in. Whoa. Yeah, he is the real deal. Look, Go back and look at his numbers last year, by the way, too. Tanner Morgan's the real deal. Ask Auburn fans about that. Um, sorry. Didn't mean, to, fire, didn't mean to say that. I'm sorry, Auburn fans. Well, I mean, they also, like, I, I wish that receiver was... Rashad Bateman, I wish he was. I wish he was back. Uh, David Bell, Purdue receiver, stud. People talk a lot about Rondell Moore, and don't get me wrong, Rondell Moore, incredible, incredible yeah. player. I would love to now. be able to see him. Noah Kane, running back. He, he and Journey Brown at Penn State, running back duo who would absolutely pay play in the SEC. Uh, no, Noah Kane was the backup to Trey Sanders at IMG. Not necessarily oh, the backup. Right, they were right. they were a duo. It's unfair to call them a backup. They were a true duo at IMG. Uh, they were in the same class as well. He was like a top 100, like borderline top 100 guy, uh, but is is someone who I think has a big, big future ahead wherever he plays. And if he, I mean, he's just finished his true freshman year. Journey Brown's a guy who's entering his draft eligible year and would absolutely have a chance to play in the SEC for sure. Um, I would go a little bit different here. Panay Sewell. A 12, yeah, that's like, the one I left out. That kid has yeah. been, like, I, I've never, I've, I've can't say that I've ever watched him like on tape or like he's caught my eye during an actual game because I didn't see that many Oregon games besides the, at the beginning of the year. Um, mm-hmm. But people just rave, rave about him. He's the best, so comp- best offensive lineman in the country last year. He's in a lot of sack, I think, his entire career, right? I, I believe, yeah. And, and the, the pressure numbers are, are like maybe like a uh, pressure. Yeah, he's um, very, very good. So I would definitely say that. I, I'd say the running back, obviously, and, and uh, Justin Fields from Ohio State. Also, how about uh, Thibodeau? The I think that's how you pronounce his last name. Yeah, Kayvon Thibodeau at, yeah. uh, at Oregon. Yeah, Oregon. who's former number one overall recruit. How about the running back there, C.J. Verdell, a guy who I was really, really, really excited to see in Joe Moorhead's offense. I know, I know. I talk a lot about Moorhead. That's okay. I mean, well, um, yeah, but he's, that's going to be a fun offense to watch. But, I mean, like, yeah, I know it's only two teams, but that would be – that would be an incredible, incredible addition. Um, I, I agree with you. Like a lot of people from the Big Ten, I would say like Parsons, Rondell Moore, all those guys. Well, Parsons they were, is, they were already going to yeah, sit out though. Yeah. Um, like I, honestly, out of those three, I would have I would have wanted to see Bateman. There's there's a a lot of really good receivers in the uh, in the SEC this year, but Bateman is he's special. All right, last thing. Like, make a bold prediction. Like one player that's going to end up being in the SEC this year. Oh gosh, that's a good question. That is a great Do you, I mean, question. like, I know people were joking around about it yesterday with Justin Fields coming back to the SEC. I think somebody changed the Wikipedia yeah, of page. Um, also, Todd McShay just came out with his latest mock draft. Do you know who's number two? Patrick Sertain. Um, what? <laughs> Why? I don't know about that. Also, has the Falcons taking another tight end, so I can't wait for just more, more years of mediocrity. Um, um, but, like, one player you think will actually end up playing... It doesn't have to even be in the SEC, but in 
one of the three remaining Power Five conferences. Gosh, and Pat Fryermuth is an All-American tight end at Penn State as well, who's That's who the Falcons the apparently year. are taking. Yeah, exactly. Um, man, this is tough. This is really tough. I'm gonna go with. Mm, I'm gonna go with somebody who had a national recruitment, and deserves to have that sort of opportunity. I've I've praised I've praised him on this podcast before. I think Noah Kane ends up in the SEC. Okay. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little bit different direction here. Trey Lance. Mm, um, I like that. That's yeah. good. So, North Dakota State quarterback, stud. Yeah, this kid, like, I mean, I, I have not watched him. I think he had like 40 touchdowns and no interceptions last no year. No interceptions. It's yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but he's expected to be like a, a high, high first-round pick in next year's NFL draft, even if he doesn't play this season. And th- they've known for a minute that they're not going to play Division II football. Yeah. Um, I've heard from several rumors from around different teams around the SEC that he has been – at least, I don't want to say being recruited, but he has made some visits, uh, or at least been in talks mm-hmm. with some of the coaches. So I think that's a kid that will, will definitely come in somewhere, somewhere, and play for one season and then before he was the NFL. Nico Collins, Alabama native, isn't he? Nico Collins, who's that? Michigan receiver, Michigan receiver. I have no idea. Uh, they're, 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 best, they're best returning receiver, one of the best, best receivers. The safety the is the only one from Michigan that I would want. The kid that was between Bama and Michigan, I think he's actually committed to Bama. Um, huge, like like five star, top ten overall player in the country. I can't remember his name. He's a sophomore, I think, true sophomore now. There, are, there are so many guys I think like that who are definitely going to have. What? They're going to have a Michigan. market. What's that? Not for Michigan. No, I'm saying I'm saying in, in the Big Ten and in the Pac-12. Like, make your jokes. They haven't necessarily been involved in college football playoff yeah. national championship since 2014. Totally get that. Get it. But at the same time, there are a lot of talented rosters and a lot of players who could be looking for homes that could all of a sudden be very, very interesting to the SEC. The last sort of big, big time transfer who really, really made a splash going from the Big Ten to the SEC turned out to be Decent, like I don't know, like Joe Burrow is an okay Jesus player, Burrow. I think. But uh, Daxon uh, Hill is the guy I was talking about. Oh, Daxon Hill, yeah. that's right, that's right. Yes, yeah. they're they're actually pretty good in the secondary, but they're just gonna have Don Brown play single high safety and just get trucked every single time that they play against a team with a modern offense. But I would I would love 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 to see that Lance kid come into somewhere in the SEC, or if he went to Georgia Tech and just played it on the street, but somewhere in the SEC, play for one year, take a team to. I don't even know what the bowl games are gonna look like, but anyway, there you go. Trey Lance, Auburn. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. They're they're sticking with they're sticking with Bo Nix. And I think even you know as much as the Justin Fields stuff gets thrown out there, like they they are very much all in on Miles Brennan. At the same time, I absolutely think LSU, if it has a season, is going to add another quarterback to the roster. Oh yeah, Patrick Patrick Parrish, who just went um, was kicked off the team, suspended indefinitely, who just announced his transfer to Memphis, and that is a team that is sitting there with two true freshmen, early enrollee quarterbacks, backing up Miles Brennan, aka the guy who is not necessarily started because there's been concern about his durability and whether or not he can last an entire SEC season. So something to that, keep in mind as well. That's where I heard the Lance rumors. Just saying. Anyway, we gotta go. Mm-hmm. All right, this has been fun. We're going to continue to react to news this week. We're going to take a little bit of a break from the It Just Meant More and maybe some potentially a casual Friday, but i got to think that we're going to have more news to talk about by the end of the week. We will keep everybody we updated on what tomorrow? that schedule looks like. 
Not tomorrow. Not tomorrow necessarily. Oh yeah, because today's Wednesday. Okay, good point. Um, we'll Connor, keep everybody Monday updated. morning thinking it was Friday. It, I, it is. Well, it's a weird week. Yeah. It's been a long week. It's been a long, long week. Um, continue to follow us on all forms of social media. Again, can't emphasize this enough. If you're not following a college football website like ours during this time, you absolutely should be. Follow us on Twitter at SDS, at SEC Football, SaturdayDownSouth.com. It's going to have billions and billions of, of, of stories, columns, everything in Literally. between. Yes, so much, so much content. All right, Trey Lance, what do we need to remember? Well, I, you know, I don't know how you sound. Hey, man, it just, it might, it might mean, I don't know what I'm doing. It might mean too much. I really overthought that. monster. Really overthought that. Thank you guys, sir.